you've got a Bible, um, I want you to turn uh, in it with me, please, to Matthew 9. I want to read a few verses to you. Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. And um, we're just going to talk a little bit. I'm going to set this up and then you're going to hear from some different people uh, about what's happening and how this is playing out uh, in our church uh, and in the community around us as well. So let me just read it to you. Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And you may, if you're newer to this kind of stuff, think, What on is that all about? So Jesus is wandering around and he's, he's teaching. There's some healing going on. Uh, and, and then he's talking about, he sees crowds of people and he feels compassion for them and they look like they're sheep without a shepherd you know they look like they're harassed and then he's saying pray about harvest what does that mean what on earth has harvest got to do with that what he's really talking about is not a literal harvest as if as in wheat uh, and, and corn and that he's talking about people he's talking about a group of people he's talking about crowds and crowds of people who need God that's what he's talking about when he talks about the harvest. And workers, sending workers out, is people like you and me going out into that harvest and helping people to connect to who God is. Seeing the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. And I said last week this phrase that I'd heard just a couple of weeks ago. Could the next great move of God not be a move in the church, but be a move of the church? In other words, could God so move us? By the dynamic of the Holy Spirit that we go out of our walls and out of our circles and out of our safety zones and comfort zones and actually see men and women, boys and girls, old, young, everywhere in between, connected to God. Could we actually see a move of the church that ushers in a move of the Spirit of God? Wouldn't that be absolutely amazing? And you know, the church that goes all in, as we've been looking at the last few weeks, is a church that's moved by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's moved by the power of healthy culture, but it is also, finally, moved by the power of compassion. And I want to talk to you a little bit about compassion this morning. And um, Spur- C.H. Spurgeon was a famous preacher and author many hundreds of years ago, a couple of hundred years ago. And in his commentary on this chapter, he does a verse-by-verse commentary on this. He says that literally this phrase or he suggests that this phrase, move with compassion, literally means to be agitated in your soul. Anyone ever felt agitated? Maybe you do even right now. But to be agitated in your soul. And, and it, what he says, it's like the whole frame of your being is moved. You're so agitated. You have such compassion when you see people that your whole frame is moved. When you see a harvest, when you see people, You don't just see people, you see a great crowd of people and like Jesus did and you see a generation of people with no shepherd, no true north, no hope and no help and you're so agitated it motivates you to pray, it motivates you to go, it motivates you to serve and it motivates you to speak. You see the life of the church is the heart of God and the heart of God is always for a broken world. 
And if we're going to have any life in us in, as a church, it's got to be not only with the power of the Spirit and the power of healthy culture, it has got to be with the power of compassion. We've got to have that compassion. And um, at, at this church, we are moved, agitated, inspired to look out and to serve beyond our circles. And that means within this building and these buildings that we own and also beyond them. And today we want to give you a small window into one aspect of what is happening. Uh, uh, and we're going to actually go on and talk about a few uh, a bit later on. But, but right now we're going to talk to you about this. And as we share some stories with you and as we hopefully inspire you and, and inform you as well, this is not for us to rest This is not for us to feel, aren't we great? This is to inspire us with what God is doing and to inspire us to go on and see God doing even more. And the first area we're going to focus on is maybe the biggest harvest field of all, which is children and young people. Do you know there are 2 billion people on this planet who are under 18? 2 billion. In our black country area, it's around 300, 350,000 people in the black country area. It's massive. And the interesting thing is that... um, 41% of people who are Christians say the biggest factor in bringing them to a relationship with God is being brought up in a Christian family. And 75% of all Christians come to faith before the age of 18. So if there's 2 billion people on the planet, okay, under 18, and three quarters of people who ever come to faith come under 18... And 41% of people who, oh no, I'm throwing statistics at you here, who do come to faith say that being brought up in a Christian family is important. The biggest harvest field on the planet is children and young people. It's got to be. It's got to be, just by statistics. But to reach this generation of young people is a massive challenge. It's a massive challenge. And we've been thinking about this over the last few, few weeks behind the scenes. I've been away on a two-day retreat with some leaders from the black country this week. And we were thinking and praying about this. And I was facilitating one of the sessions and we were thinking about reaching Generation Z, which is the generation that were born in 2000 or beyond. They are too young to know what 911 was all about. That's how young they are, okay? But actually that group of people growing up now who are 16 at the moment or under, in three years' time will be the people heading into work, heading into university. They will be the adults in that sense in just a few uh, years' time. And I've been thinking about it, and, and as I visited the session, I said to the guys, you know, it's really interesting. We know that God is a God of generations. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But when you think about those three generations, here's my thought. They all wore the same clothes. They all ate the same food. They all listened to the same music. They all shared the same values. They all had the same basic worldview. Life has changed. When you think about Generation Z, Millennials, Generation X, Baby Boomers, can you imagine wearing the same clothes as your father? Tim. Oh, you are. Sorry. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Or your grandfather. Can you imagine the kids of today listening to the same music as their grandfather? Or, 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 or even like in the same food. I remember when I first brought a Chinese takeaway home into our house when I was about 17. And my dad, bless him, had to leave the room, okay, because he just couldn't cope with the whole thing. Later on, he loved Chinese food. But at that time, it was meat and two veg. He was a black country bloke from a different generation. But Abraham and Isaac and Jacob basically had the same worldview. Nowadays, to reach a generation, we are not going to reach a generation doing the same things that we did in previous generations. The message won't change, but the way that we communicate it has to. Generation Z are the first generation of what they call digital natives. 
Everyone else, we're all digital immigrants, okay? We've got into technology, and Generation Z are defined by their relationship to technology. One of the girls leading one of these sessions, um, she's in her 30s, and her, her son Thomas is three, and she was describing the sociological um, kind of impact on Generation Z, and she said, my three-year-old walks up to our TV and doesn't understand why it's not touchscreen. Says I give him my, I give, he takes my phone and he knows his way around my phone better than I do. And he's three. And their relationship to technology is, what, is the biggest factor that defines them. But they, have a, they are hungry for expression, for discovery and self-development. They are really savvy, self-reliant, creative, accepting of diversity like no other generation. And they are socially conscious. And at this church, we want to reach... We want to reach this current generation, amen? And so we invest into that and we major into that. Not to say that every other person, every other age group are not important and valuable to God because they are. And we'll talk about that later. But we must be intentional about reaching this current generation. It's the biggest harvest field there is. And so what we're going to do is ask Helena if she could come forward. Uh, Helena is going to come and talk to you just for a few minutes about Friday nights. Not about Sunday mornings when primarily uh, we're discipling Christian kids and your kids. But Friday night. And then Andy is going to come after that and talk about what we do Friday night. And then I'll introduce Jane and come back. So would you welcome Helena as she comes to share with us. Hi guys. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Friday nights, but I'm also going to talk about two other things um, that are happening in the community that you might not know about, um, just to fill you in as well. So Friday nights, we run two clubs at 6.30. Uh, we run Kids Zone, which is for four to seven-year-olds, um, which we run in the Ark, which looks like an Ark. Um, and then we have Free Runners, which is our seven to ten-year-olds. Um, as well, seven to 11 year olds, really, I should say, because it's up to year six. Uh, what do we do? We hang out with them. Uh, lots of football's played, obviously, with the boys. Uh, games are played. We do lots of activities. This week we had a surf machine in, um, which doesn't involve water, but involves trying to balance on a surf machine. And um, we do lots of fun stuff. We also have each week a God slot. Some of the kids call it the assembly time, which makes me laugh. Uh, we have a God slot each week. At the moment, we are looking at 1 Corinthians 13 with them, looking at what are the characteristics of God using that uh, based upon the Muppets. Um, so we're using examples of Muppet characters to talk about how their character and how God's probably different from the Muppets um, as well. Um, about two years ago, we uh, were averaging um, numbers in the 20s of kids on a Friday night um, at free runners, um, and then probably about under 10 at uh, Kids Zone. Last week, we had 95 um, in total. We had 80 at free runners, which is our highest number ever, um, and we had 15 um, in Kids Zone, so it was 95, so we're pushing for 100. Those of you that are good at maths will be able to work out that's about a fourfold increase um, in two years, uh, which is amazing. God is at work. Uh, we are seeing unchurched families telling their unchurched friends how great Friday nights are. And they're bringing their friends as well. And it just keeps growing. People just keep going away, having a great time and bringing others. I saw one dad last week uh, explaining to his girls at the end that next week there was actually going to have to be a break because it was half term which I just thought was an amazing testimony to how excited the kids are to come, that he was having to psychologically prepare them for the fact that there wasn't going to be any next week, but there would be one the week after, um, which was brilliant. 
Um, of the kids that come, they're about 95% not from Zion, um, which is brilliant. Loads of, most of them are unchurched kids. Uh, we have an amazing team of leaders that faithfully serve as well every week, week in, week out. They are great, and all of it comes out of relationship, doesn't it? That's how all of the research tells us that kids come to Christ is through relationships uh, with adults in church, um, and those relationships are built and developed and when you can have conversations and you know that something's happened the week before and you can talk to them, um, it's a great opportunity. Um, the other thing that we have run uh, at Easter, which you might not be aware of, we ran it in conjunction. It was Zion and the Phase Trust, who are going to come and talk in a bit, and also Braveheart Education. Uh, we ran an Easter activity club. Um, well, that wasn't advertised. <laughs> you might be wondering why. Because it was targeted. It was specifically aimed at families who foster children or who've got children that are adopted. And we ran that club out of conversations um, that we were having with uh, families in the church about a need. And we found out that actually there was a real need for those families to have something on a, um, a during the holidays. So what we did was we did four days of activities. Um, and it was a bit different to what you might traditionally see as a holiday kind of Bible club experience uh, because the whole family were included and the whole family stayed for that. So we would have time together. Uh, there was lots of cakes made by Barbara, which helps uh, to get everybody in a good mood. And then uh, we split them into three groups. So we had a younger group of kids. We had an older group of kids who then did workshops like uh, they did a dance workshop. They did a music workshop, different things on different days. And then the adults also had a group together as well, which was kind of targeted and specialised for things for them. Um, it was a brilliant experience. We had families that were connected from church. We had unchurched families. We had some families that came through a referral from Dudley Social Services, um, so they had no experience. We had one family that drove um, a 40-minute drive every day to us um, and then drove 40 minutes back every day and came every day. We had one family whose car broke down during the week um, who still wanted to come so much they came on a bus uh, which took two bus rides an hour and a half um, with three kids. Uh, so that's kind of testament really to what God was doing really in that situation. Um, we saw loads of answers to prayer in that week. For me, it felt like there was something in it that was such the heart of God that we prayed very specific prayers. Um, some of the kids really struggle with um, anxiety and feeling nervous in a new environment. And we really played, prayed it would be a place of peace for them to come in and they would feel comfortable and God answered those prayers um unchurched kids coming in the door and the parents had said I, I, we're not sure whether they're going to stay and whether this is going to work and it did and they stayed and they felt comfortable and they wanted to come back um have we got a quote I'm hoping there's a quote on the screen okay this is we asked for some feedback at the end of the week from the families because obviously if, they, if it was useless, we didn't want to run it again. Um, so we asked them what they thought. Uh, this is one of the quotes from a family. Um, they had actually come through a referral from social uh, services um, and um, hadn't actually... They were a family that had two adopted children but hadn't actually had a, any links with any other families that had adopted at all. They felt very kind of isolated. Um, and they said, we've absolutely cherished this time. I can't express enough how much of a lifeline you have thrown us, which was amazing. So that is an unchurched family that have now got that, knowing that we were Christians and we were providing this service for them in the holidays. And in the future, we do hope to run it again, which is great. The other thing that is coming up, 
Um, this is the third year that we've run it. It's our summer holiday club. Uh, our numbers have grown over the last two years, so we hope they're going to grow again as our kind of reputation grows. Lots of the kids that come to our holiday club come through our Friday nights as well um, and then come to the holiday club as well. We work in partnership with OM, Kids and Things team, who do an amazing job doing all the upfront crazy stuff for us. Uh, this year, it is Lionheart and the Legend of the Dragon Tower. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? I've seen the castle. It's being built already. Okay. Um, it is a great opportunity if you know of families in the community um, who would uh, you could invite, please invite them. Okay. We run it. It's from the 1st to the 5th of August, so it's the second week of the holidays. It's from 10 till 12 in the morning. The kids love it. Honestly, it's not cheesy. It's a great opportunity to bring them in. They love it. Last year, we had a, the Orient Express train. You Four-year-old boys were so excited when they saw this train, but it's brilliant. Um, and, yeah, great opportunity. There'll be flyers, um, hopefully, from next week or so that you can invite people, bring them along, um, and they can find out a little bit of kind of what it is to, to be part of church. Brilliant. So on Friday nights, we run the Hub Youth Club. It is for uh, senior school uh, young people. Um, our aim every Friday night is to provide something that young people enjoy themselves enough to come again next week and bring a friend. And I would like to be so bold as to say we are absolutely smashing that aim. Um, here's some stats for you. Our average for the last seven weeks is 190 young people. Uh, we average 457 new young people every year uh, with an average of uh, 806 different young people attending across an academic year. A young person tends to spend an average of two years and three months coming to the hub regularly. And here's this final stat will definitely open your mouth. It is, we have reached in the last three academic year, we have seen 1,600 different young people come to hub, which is absolutely outstanding we i guess those stats much much lower those are some phenomenal stats and as you can imagine it is pretty lively down in hub on friday night um, as you can imagine with 200 odd young people uh, down there on a friday night it can be a little bit hectic and you know we have a phenomenal team of volunteers that serve week in week out and um, serving the young people and getting involved and we wouldn't be able to do it without them so if you're a member of the hub team and you serve um, regularly could you stand up for me please because i would like everybody to join me in thanking you so if you're a member of the hub team stand up there might not be loads here stand up come on don't be shy and thank them thank you so much you guys can sit down you know i shared those stats because each one of those numbers represents a person and that person represents a story. A few weeks ago, we had a bit of a fight that happened on a Friday night, and Tim and I had to pick up the pieces of it uh, in the weeks afterwards. And we met with this one girl who'd been involved with the fight, and she um, came down with her parents, and we had to dish out punishments and talk to her about it. And her, him, basically, we, we were told that the fight had come about as a result of bullying, and this girl was being bullied. And we said we offered to help and all that kind of stuff. And, and her mum said, look, I'm just not going to bring her down anymore. Um, I don't want to come in and get him picked on and get him bullied. I'm just not going to bring her down here anymore. 
And we shared with her our aim for every Friday night, and we said, you know, we want to do everything that we can to support your daughter. We, you know, if she ever feels that she's being picked on, any leader, you can come and speak to us. We will give you a space if you need it to come and calm down. We can call your parents for you. We will support you in any way possible. And what was phenomenal is her dad turned around and said, you know, we've talked to the school about this and they ain't doing anything, but I believe every word that you, you've said to me. And, you know, and then he turned to his daughter and he said, I think you can come again because I think these guys will support you, which was just phenomenal. Me and Tim were like, yes. Um, but it's just phenomenal that we're not only able to reach the young people, but we're impacting the families as well. We've also got a group of uh, five or six girls that have uh, been coming to Hub for a little while. They've now decided they're a little bit too old to come, uh, but they don't want to lose the connection with us. So through the Duke of, Duke of Edinburgh Award, they've been uh, helping us set up on Thursday afternoons, and they've started serving as well in the kids' work on a Friday night, which is just brilliant to see them given back into the community that they've received from. Um, moving forward, we really sense that God is saying to us that we need to leverage Friday nights more for the gospel. You know, talk about the harvest being plentiful. Like, we've seen 1,600 different young people in the last three years. We've not seen many of those young people make decisions to follow Jesus. And what we want to see over the next, next year or so is we want to make some changes, we want to make some tweaks here and there right across the youth ministry in order to leverage Friday nights for the gospel. How can you get involved? Well... The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are always few. Um, we've got three different ways that you could get involved. Um, one of our most complicated times is our check-in process at the start of the night. As you can imagine, getting 200 young people into the building can take a little bit of time. If you have got one hour free on a Friday night from 7.30 till 8.30 to come down and help us with the check-in process, you don't need to be cool, trendy, um, a, a cool, trendy youth worker like I am. Um, you just need to know your alphabet. That is all that is required to do this job. Okay, so if you would be able to do that, if we could have five people that serve every week or, or ten people that serve every other week, that would help us so, so much. Because that first half an hour when we open the doors at eight o'clock can be a little bit complicated. And you coming and serving and just helping with the check-in process would enable us to, to build relationships more with the young people. Perhaps you want to get involved a little bit more and you think, I want to get stuck in. You got really excited at seeing that video. You know, we reckon if we had eight more people every week, we could see more relationships built and we would have more opportunities to tell young people about Jesus. So perhaps you could give up a Friday night from 7.30 till 10.30 to come and engage with the young people, serve as part of the team, and you want to see young people, young people's lives transformed on a Friday night. Then come and, again, come and see us. And the final thing is you can pray. You know, over the last three years, we've seen so much growth, and it is no coincidence that that growth has come since the prayer team was set up. We have, a, we have an amazing group of people that pray on a Friday night while we meet. If you want to get involved in that and pray for us, or you can pray at home, please do continue to pray for us, because it's not easy to run Friday nights, but we really believe that God's doing something incredible. If you want to sign up for any of those things, then please come and see me later, or you can sign up in the connection point, the sign-up sheets in there. But please do get, get behind us for Friday nights, because we want to see young people's lives transformed.
Great stuff. Thank you guys. So great. Uh, about 17, 18 years ago, uh, I really felt uh, like a, a real burden to for the young people in our town. Uh, and um, I was going into schools at the time, uh, believe it or not, uh, doing some schools work. But I, I just really sensed that we need to do something different here. And so long story short, a few of us set up an organization called Phase Trust. I'm still the chair of Phase. It's a separate entity, a separate organization based in this building. Now we employ eight members of staff. All of the eight members of staff are part of this church. And so there's a massive uh, relationship and partnership between Phase and between us as a church. So we very much see this is the church out in the community it's that bridge point out into the community and jane uh, is the manager of phase and so she's going to come and talk to you a little bit about that so why don't we welcome jane thanks leon um there are about um over seventy-five thousand young people aged 0 to 19 in our borough and um about four percent of that figure are defined as in need by by children's services by social care and that's about 3,000 of them you can double that figure if you count the number of referrals that they receive that don't meet any of the thresholds so around 6,000 young people from 0 to 19 are classed as in some sort of need and that's the backdrop that's the framework that face sits in just to give you a, a bit of a reflection about about the work that we do and we exist to, to stand with and for young people no matter what the challenge no matter what their their um their background and what their experiences have been and just want to give you a quick rundown of the areas that we work in really so we work in four primary areas the first one that being sexual health we really believe and have seen a real change in how young people experiment in the area of sexual health. And, and we went on a whole journey, um, biblically, to see where we stood and what we could do, what we couldn't do, where we felt it was right that God was leading us. And so we aim to give young people the help and support they need in this whole area. And so right from prevention work, helping young people delay their first experience of, of, of sex, really. And it's something that we could agree on. Everybody in the local authority agreed that young people were, were discovering, exploring the areas of sex far, far too early. And so we thought, actually, do you know what? God would agree with that. God would really agree with that. So we made um, an agreement with them that we would invest and we would work with young people in that area. And this has increased over the last few years, right up to the other extreme of those that are at risk of or are being sexually exploited. And I just wanted to give you um, a couple of quick facts, really. So since January this year, so that's January 2016, um, through group work and through one-to-one -one support, this isn't like overall lessons or whole year group work that we do about general awareness. So through group work and one-to-one -one support since January, we've worked with 73 different individuals in the last five months across this whole area. 13 of those are involved in sexual exploitation in our borough. So, uh, oh, I felt, <laughs> felt it drop then. Um, but it, it's a real, and we feel that actually Jesus would want to be in that situation with them. He would want to bring them help and support and hope when maybe they haven't got any at the moment. So that's 13 individuals, girls that we've worked with in that. And then moving on, we work in the area of personal development. And these are working with young people that have real chaotic backgrounds, complex, challenging needs, which prevent them from moving forward positively. And behind each one of these young people is a whole range of dots, which is their story. And what we try and do is connect those dots for them so that they can actually move forward. So they may suffer from anxiety, they may suffer from low-level autism and Asperger's, a learning disorder, some kind of trauma, maybe they're school-phobic, 
real bit, you know, issues starting with mental health. A wide range of barriers, really. But what we try and do is deal with them in a personalised way. And just to give you a little bit of um, a recent example, really, a couple of weeks ago, I had a phone call from a commissioner in London who Dudley Council have commissioned to do a whole report on mental health services for children and young people. Two and a half hours I was on the phone with this lady. She was so impacted by the work that Faze are starting to do in this area that she's actually coming to see me in June. She's going to travel up from London and speak to little old Faze, eight Christian people in a little office underneath the level of the ground, no natural light... Uh, <laughs> just getting that in there. <laughs> but just because she's so intrigued by the work that we do. And I think, what a testament. What a testament that is. We work in what we have to politically correctly call the area of urban culture. Um, this is where we work with young people that are at risk of being criminalised at a really early age for a wide range of reasons. Maybe they've got some sort of gang affiliation. Maybe they're involved in low-level crime or antisocial behaviour. But we've worked with individuals this year that have been at risk of being radicalised or have families well known to the criminal justice system and these young people want to make a change but they can't see any other options or any other direction for them. So we want to give these young people a second chance because actually God gave me one. And so we go into every situation with these young people wanting to give them a second chance and the support they need. And then finally we work widely across the community where we provide safe and secure environments for young people to meet, have fun, try new things. And in these areas, and Andy didn't mention this, but this does happen on a Friday night, where young people disclose things that are happening to them in their lives that they'd never tell anybody else. And what a real privilege that is. So in November, we started two new youth clubs based on the Hub model, which is a complete gospel framework of working with young people. And we were able to plant two new works in Russell's Hall and in Coesley, based on the model that you've heard Andy already speak of. So from nothing, from naught, we're getting up to 60 young people a week now in these two areas, partnering with local churches in the area, on the ground, training their, their, you know, their youth works, training volunteers, how to work with young people in the 21st century. It's amazing. We had a young guy come a couple of weeks ago, who's, he's, he was 16, his family had totally ignored his birthday. We were able to celebrate it with him on a Wednesday night. And as though my heart broke for that guy, I just thought, what a, what a thing we can do. That guy went home that night feeling valued, feeling loved, feeling that his, his birthday, the day of his birth actually meant something. Actually meant something. But you could be saying, well, that's great, Jane, but what makes you any different from social services or any other great service that works and does great work with young people? I think we have a big difference. I believe the biggest difference isn't in what we do, but in what we carry. It's in what we carry. And other services are providing everything they can at the moment in shrinking times, a changing climate, reducing budgets, you know, increasing demands. They don't have limitless resources and unending opportunities. But we do. We do. Because as Christians, everybody who works for faith is a fully on fire, Holy Spirit-filled Christian. And as Christians, we're linked to a limitless resource. And we carry hope. We carry hope. Something that in God, there's no ceiling on. Tim, what are you doing, man? Sorry. I've got ten minutes. I've got ten minutes, mate. You were supposed to be here like an hour ago. Up to you, apparently. You better... Has he got a couple of minutes, Leon, just to give it this in? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, 
bumped into some young people outside. They were asking about the specifications of my bike. Um, so just running a little bit late. Um, where are you up to? Have you mentioned like the 6,000 vulnerable young people that we're trying to reach? Great. Great. Okay. Well, I've had an idea, and I hope you don't mind. Um, how can we make ourselves more publicly known about the work we're doing and try and reach these 6,000 people? So the bike is linked to it. What we're going to do in three weeks' time, on the Monday and the Tuesday, so the 20th and the 21st, is we're going to cycle around Dudley. We are. We are going <laughs> to... We're going to cycle around Dudley. We're going to cycle to every secondary school or uh, special school that deals with 11 to 16-year-olds, and we're going to make them aware of phase trust. They're going to make them aware of those four departments, and actually, there's only a few of us going to cycle. It would be great if there was more. So if you could volunteer, you enjoy cycling on a Monday or Tuesday and want to cycle with us, you get one of these beautiful T-shirts, um, and... We would like a support vehicle. We would like to cycle around Dudley and make ourselves known with all the secondary schools. We'll take photos at each school and we want to get it in the press. We want to make, make people know about Phase Trust. Probably a lot of you are going to be working or going, no way can I cycle around Dudley. Um, so we're going to set a target of 1,000 miles. 1,000 miles, two days. Easy. <laughs> no? Um, so the other thing that we want to do is actually in Hales Owen Town Centre, the Leisure Centre is supporting us with this. We're going to have a plot from 11 till 4 every day with five stationary bikes in the town centre. We're, again, making people aware of Phase Trust and saying, come join with us. Cycle for 10 minutes and the Leisure Centre are going to give you a free seven-day pass to go in. I woo. Uh, <laughs> We would love if anyone has time on Monday the 20th, Tuesday the 21st, to come and join us in the town centre. There will be five bikes. Jump on it for 10 minutes. You get a bit of a reward. And then the third way that you might be able to support us is actually once we've made ourselves aware to the schools, some of the programmes that we can do, we'd like to finance some of those. We'd like to give them to the school for free. Um, and if you feel like, actually, I can't, I'm working Monday, Tuesday, could you sponsor us? Sponsor us, that means we could then give a freebie to a school to try and get a foot in the door, try and start working with some of these vulnerable young people. So there's the kind of three things. If you can cycle for a long way around Dudley with us, please do. Um, if you can't and you've got 10 minutes to spare and you're local to Hales Owen, lunch break, anything like that, that's from 11 till 4. And then otherwise, if you could help sponsor Phase to give something back, that'd be great. I need to go get a bell. The young people said that you know, to pimp it out a little bit more, a bell. <laughs> bell would be nice, thanks. You better get on your bike then, mate. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. We couldn't do the incredible work we do without some incredible staff, passionate staff, and also a wide range of volunteers. Some of you are here this morning that do that. And if you're interested in finding out more, our stands at the back. If you're interested in finding out what we do, how we do it, how you could come and help, come and chat to us at the back after the service. But I want to give the last word to the people that matter most to us. And they're the young people we've helped and supported over the last 12 months. I know what I want to do with my future and at college. I am trying to keep my head down and stay out of trouble. I now recognise the boundaries I should set with my friends. I now know how to make better choices. You really helped me think about what I was doing. I've not done that before. 
I am able to walk around my house on my own without being scared. I am motivated to make sure I am a success. I haven't self-harmed for a week. I now have some ideas about how to deal with my anxiety better. When I look in the mirror, I no longer hate what I see. Wow, let's stand together, shall we? Some inspiring stuff there. And we're going we're gonna to take our offering. And I make no apologies for saying, you know, when you give financially to this church, that's the kind of stuff that gets to happen. All that you've just heard from our youth and kids gets to happen because of a lot of prayer and a lot of hard work, but a lot of generous giving from this church. So when you give on a Sunday, okay, or whether you give through direct debit or whatever, so that's just a little bit of what gets to happen because you guys give. So we're going to give. And as we give, we're going to sing. And, and this is a great song. We haven't used this for a long time, but this is just all about the here and now. About God, we want to see you come here and now. There's a massive harvest field all around us. We want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let's sing. Amen. Great. So why don't you take your seats, guys. Thanks, band. You know, to be moved with compassion must involve agitation and is always messy. And you've heard some great stories this morning, but we wouldn't want to convey to you that there aren't challenges because there really are. And there's a lot of mess involved in what we're doing as a church and with FaZe as well. And there's a lot of challenge in that as well. In fact, if you, if you could pray for us over the next few weeks, we'd really value that. We're waiting on news of a funding application, which if we get it, will secure FaZe for another three years. So it's pretty big. Okay, it's pretty important for us. And we should get that news in the next few weeks. So please, if you could pray, that would be amazing. Um, but you know... Uh, when you try and reach people uh, and you try and go beyond the walls and, and all of that, uh, it involves mess. Uh, Friday night sounds great with all these numbers. It's really hard work and we get fights and we get all kinds of stuff going on. There's a lot of mess. But you know, I said this last week, the people who make church messy also make it meaningful. Without any mess, maybe there wouldn't be any meaning. And uh, there's a verse in Proverbs, it says, where no oxen are, the manger is clean. In other words, if there was no people, it would all be perfect. It would all be clean. It would all be organized. There'd be no mess, but there'd be no meaning neither. It's the mess that makes us meaningful. And God is agitating towards the harvest right now and towards some mess. And I want to just highlight a couple of areas and then we're going to finish and pray together. One of the areas that God is doing something amazing in the life of this church is through adoption and fostering. You've already heard it mentioned. And this is something that we didn't set out to do. This is something that's risen up from within the body of the church, really, from people. And um, in, in Psalm 68, verse 5 to 6, the Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. And then it says God sets the lonely in families. It's a powerful verse. God sets the lonely in families. And if over 40% of people who come to faith... Say one of the biggest factors in them coming to faith was being brought up in a Christian family and over 70% of all Christians come to faith before the age of 18, then adoption and fostering is a massive harvest field. Massive. It's so important. And, um, you know, in this church we have, I think, around 14 families who are adopting and fostering right now. It's nearly 30 children and young people in this church. It's amazing. Absolutely Amazing. And um, this week, I met with some leaders across the black country, and uh, we all feel as a, as a group of church leaders and organization leaders 
uh, really stirred by this. And there's lots of other churches across the area that are and people that are, are, are getting involved. Could the church in the black country provide homes and families for all of the children in the current care system? Could they? They absolutely could. They absolutely could. And there's a church in Southampton you may have heard of, just a small church in Southampton. And they heard of, uh, of in their little area of around 40 children that were in the care system in their little area. And as a church, through the, the conversation with the local authority, as a church, they provided a family and a home for every single one of those kids. And when they did, they presented a plaque to the local authority with 40 keys representing 40 homes that were now, have now been found. And that's hanging up in the local authority office down there in Southampton with the Bible text, God sets the lonely in families. That's phenomenal, isn't it? Absolutely phenomenal. And um, you know that uh, there are around about 5,000 kids waiting for adoption right now. 9,000 foster places urgently needed. So that's 14,000 children. There are over 15,000 churches in the UK. If every single church found a home for one kid, all the kids would come out the care system. That would be phenomenal. But we at this church also are looking to engage with adults who are looking for community. One of our hearts behind the buildings that we've got, the third place vision that some of you will know, is to provide a space where people in the wider community, whether they're children or whether they're adults, can find a place of connection and a place of community. So in the buildings that we own, there are over 30 regular groups that use our buildings from the community sector, from statutory and from charity. There are some new groups set up, some supporting children who care for their parents or who care for their siblings. That's happening in our building. We've got seniors groups all across the building. They pop up all over the place. Wherever you go, you open a door and there's a whole load of older people there. Brilliant. And they're experiencing community. And it ranges from exercise to eating. And back again to exercise, <laughs> from fun to fellowship. We, we, we run things for people with learning disabilities and house uh, uh, and provide spaces for other organisations to come. So Stepping Out is one of our real favourite ones. They're a group of adults with learning disabilities who become part of our community and part of our wider church family now. We have dance groups meeting here. We have a choir that meets here. Nothing to do with us, but they, but they, they use the space. We have uh, um, uh, people uh, recovery groups, people recovering from alcohol addiction and from narcotics. And you know, God is also stirring us to move beyond our walls as well. So all that's happening in the building, but God is stirring us to move beyond our walls. On Good Friday, we had that whole morning of community action where we went over to the Highfields estate. Let me read you a story. This is a story of a lady who had terminal, who's got terminal cancer. And we went over and we did some jobs in her house. And this is what she says in her own words. I found it very uplifting to have people come to do the DIY tasks. It was also very humbling I'm a person who always used to give help and I found it humbling now to ask for the help. I used to go to another local church in House Zoe, but you have to go to them. The Zion, which is us, they came out to you. The other church was great when I was well and could go, but being in my situation, I needed them to come to me. You can feel isolated. You don't lose your connection with God, but you can lose your connection to people. Church is the people, not the building. And then another community organisation that we partnered with on that day, they said this, the Good Friday was a beautiful day. I was amazed at the people, the volunteers who kept smiling all morning. 
They were getting into people's lives. They made people feel loved. It's made such a difference. One person, and this is the person I read, who had her house and garden tidied up. She has cancer. It made a huge difference to her. It restored her faith. The church got out into the community instead of waiting for the people to come to it. And then someone from Dudley Council. The value of the Good Friday social action was amazing. It promotes community pride and breaks down antisocial behavior. It makes people feel part of the community. So as we finish this morning, are we up for going all in? Are we up for going? It's going to be messy, all right? It's going to be really messy. But the mess is what makes it meaningful. And we'll only go all in by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what Jane said, you know, what makes FaZe different from any other youth organizations? You could say the amazing team, and they are amazing. And you could say the amazing board and the chair, and they are amazing. But actually, what really makes them different is who they carry and the Spirit of God within them. Because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He didn't mean you can do nothing. He meant you could do no really good thing. Because you've got to be connected to the source and if we're going to be a church that goes in, it will have to be the power of the Holy Spirit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. It will take the power of a healthy culture. They devoted themselves. Can you get involved? Maybe afterwards when you get your tea and coffee, go along to face trust stand and sit, chat to some of the guys. Can you get involved? Can you help build a stronger culture? And it will take the power of compassion. We have to move from consumers to contributors, from the community to the cause. We have to move from consumers to contributors and from the community to the cause. So why don't we stand together? Guys, I'm going to ask you to come back. And we're going to, we're going to pray just as we sing this final song together. And could the next great move of God not be a move in the church, but be a move of the church? Could we try not to be the best church in the town, but to become the best church for the town? Could we move from being consumers to contributors and from the community to the cause. It sounds to me like a mountain of a challenge. But that's okay, because we serve a mountain moving God. Amen. And this song, which you know so well, really old song, everyone needs compassion. I need compassion. I needed compassion. And somebody who knew God moved out of their space and out of their walls and out of their circles and brought me compassion. And 30 odd years later, nearly 40 years later maybe, I'm so glad they did, aren't you? Everyone needs compassion. Whether they're a child, whether they're a young person, whether they're an adult with disability, whether they're an old elderly person, whether they're a, whatever they are, whoever they are, everyone needs compassion. Could we move from, from being consumers to contributors, from the community to the cause? We can. Because we're connected to a mountain moving God. Join with me as we pray. Father, we want to thank you this morning for inspiring us by what you're doing and by who you are. Lord, we pray, God, together for a real blessing on Friday nights. God, all those children and young people, that's 300 or so children and young people, the majority of which don't yet know you, who come to our space on a Friday night. God, would you pour out your spirit on them and on their families. God, thank you for what FaZe is doing. Lord, would you bless them? God, would you provide provision for them over the next few weeks, God, as they wait, as we wait prayerfully for that? God, we pray that you'd release the resources from heaven. God, whatever vehicle you choose to give that money to, God, that's up to you. But God, would you release it? And Lord, we pray for an incredible harvest as we move, as faith move across the borough and beyond. 
And Lord, for all that's going on in this building and for all that's going on beyond the building, Father, we pray for a generation to come into a relationship with you. For there to be a harvest, Lord, of incredible power. Lord, it starts with the power of the Spirit and the power of culture. But God, you need to break our hearts as well. God, if it doesn't get messy, it won't get meaningful. So Lord, please, would you break our hearts and would you move us and motivate us to be a church that goes all in for you and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.